A one, a two, a one, two, three, four! Music at a rational volume. Hey everybody, thanks for clicking the button for your music at a rational volume podcast. I am Nate, your I'm host, Kyle. and there's Kyle. Are we on? We are on. Sweet. I did the intro. Did you hear? Yeah, I figured it was for some reason. I don't know. But maybe you just started talking. You don't. You don't. <laughs> I'm just barely paying attention here. So, <laughs> what are we talking about tonight? Tonight, we are going to do another edition of our greatest albums created by humans on the planet Earth. The Gear Daddies Billy's Live Bait Edition. Sweet. Um, I guess I'll intro them. Billy's Live Bait came out in 1990. Gear Daddies is one of my favorite bands of all time. This is their second record. Uh, Gear Daddies are Martin Zeller. He sings and plays guitar. Billy Dankirk on drums and sings. Nick Seal on bass. Randy Broughton, uh, steel pedal and um, guitar. They were formed in Austin, Minnesota, 1983-84-ish. And then they moved to Minneapolis. They uh, released a single, which I never heard of. And then they made a debut album on a local um, company called Dark Records. They toured a bunch. They got some major label attention. And then they released this one on Polydor in 1990, Billy's Live Bait. What did you think of the record, Nate? Uh, I had some main thoughts about it generally. I thought the title didn't do many favors. It's terrible. Like, no, it's nobody's favorite thing. Like, you know, life bait. A lot of these things these guys do, and, and some of these indie bands, the they have these um, inside jokes that to them are hilarious, but don't make a bit of sense to anybody else. So when they went on their first tour, they had some ideas of what they could paint on their van. So it would look like something else. So people wouldn't break into it. I think one of them was like Minnesota virus council or something. And one of the ideas they came up with Billy's live bait. Like if this was a bait truck or a bait shop truck, people wouldn't break into it and steal their stuff. Well, they of course thought that that was hilarious. And so <laughs> They made this the name of the album. It's a terrible name for a band. It's a terrible album cover, and it's a terrible name. Yes. But that being said, and it doesn't have anything to do with their music, it does sound more like a indie rock band, but yeah. that's not really what they are. No, no, no. They're far from it. How do you describe their music? What do you, I mean, you haven't heard it as – I've heard it a million times, but – and all their music. It It is one of those – genre blurring bands like they have a lot of influences from your your kind of jangly rock there's right. a little bit of pop in there and then yeah. there's a heavy bit of different kind of flavors of country right um like for me the my favorite ones are the rock tracks and kind of um where they really shine but see, see for for me the favorite ones are more the country tracks so it's all <laughs> To what to what you like, I suppose. But I mean, I like the rock tracks too. But I like them more because they're an alt country band before there was the term alt country, or before there was Americana, or whatever it was. They just kind of did this. Yeah. Well, that gets into the whole issue of our genres really t- 
telling or do they really mean anything? Because a lot of music nerds like to throw around these terms. Like I, I read a, a thing about Casey, uh, yeah, Casey Musgraves right. uh, today. She terms her last record Galactic Country. And I'm thinking. What the hell does why? that mean? That it is meaningless. We, we Probably would... why Rust and Kelly divorced her. <laughs> Come up with these stupid oh. things. Yeah. And her Christmas special was weird. Like, not funny. She's but anyway, weird girl. Galactic Country? Okay. Yeah, Galactic Country. Well, that's the thing. When I first heard Alt Country, or, you know, when I first started reading No Depression magazine, um, they would talk about the Jayhawks and John Hyatt and the Gear Daddies. I'm like, oh, I guess I like Alt Country. I didn't know that when I bought this record. I just knew that I really liked it. And part of the reason is they're from Minnesota and they're big on the local scene. Um, they got a lot of a lot of noise out there and a lot of people really like them, but they don't really get played on the radio, especially not outside the Midwest at all. Yeah. If they had any chance to make it, it would have been this record would have given them a foothold, but unfortunately they broke up shortly after. Right. And I think it was well received, like, because we, we talked a lot yes. about particularly Psycho Jukebox on the last uh, best albums ever uh, right. episode about how much the critics hated it and it kind oh, of changed it. its, its success. This one didn't have that problem. It had many, if not glowing reviews they were awfully fond of them and you know that you that would have translated normally yeah some of the reviews let me just go through some sort of rolling stone of all people and i don't like much of them but they said talked about them they said discontent never sounded so fun the twin cities reader which is a the local paper that covers music and art or whatever well respected they said they're about the gut and that's where this album hits the la times gave it a good review Musician Magazine talked about or a throwback to straight ahead rock with an unironic affection for country tearjerkers on and on. One of my favorite bands, the Hangdogs, mentioned them in one of their songs of the ring. Um, so they were getting respect and cred out yeah. there. That doesn't necessarily um, translate into a whole hell of a lot of album sales. Okay. Um, I also did hear a little Kit Moore in there, if I must say. Which I know you'd be. Well, I can see that. No, I I like them more than Kip Moore, but yeah, (laughs) I can definitely see that for sure. And kind of the growl. That rural kind of sound. Right. You know, very proud of where they're from and telling kind of real stories. Right. And with Kip Kip Moore is not a real traditional country. Well, he's more traditional country than that crap they're playing on country radio is what I'm meaning. No, I agree. I think... Martin Zeller probably said it best, though. He said, we were the bastard sons of Johnny Cash and Sticks." I can see that. I mean, if you think about it, yeah. they're from a town in southern, southern Minnesota, much closer to Iowa than they are to Minneapolis. So they would have like a country radio station in town and the big classic rock station. And so they are influenced by what they heard. And so those two things, that would make perfect sense. And I think that translates on the record you know what they came up with for one who didn't you know marinate in it as you did uh, yeah i really enjoy this record and it is totally worth at least a few spins some of the tracks really um kind of caught me in the as you one of those reviewers said caught me in the gut like oh right yeah i have felt that i've experienced that 
And yeah, can't really expect much more from, you know, a great record. I think like the, if you go to one of their shows, first of all, it's going to be, I mean, especially nowadays, it's middle-aged people that go, you know, and now they're, of course, they're bringing their kids, you know, you have a few beers and you go see them and everybody knows all the words and they only have two albums. So yeah. this was their last record, believe it or not, kind of tragically, I think, but that is what they chose to do. So interesting. Um, yeah. Well, let's go through the songs, Nate. Okay. Uh, was there one that stuck out to you that you liked more than the others? There were three of them. Uh, that were standouts? That were standouts. Possibly four. Stupid Boy, the first track, is... a. I think they made a great choice with that one to lead it off. It's fantastic. It's yeah. uh, definitely has a feel of an upbeat, kind of jangly rock tune. And then You Wear Your Crown, or Wear Your Crown, yeah. Don't Look at Me, and uh, Color of Our Eyes. Those three, I think, are... I, would, I don't want to say make it, you know... Top heavy in the sense that you know there's three really good ones and kind of sucky ones. Um, those are kind of <laughs> those are the the ones that just kind of peak above the rest of what a you know would otherwise be a really great record. I could agree with that. Generally speaking, this was a record I've listened to so many times. I mean, I really think of it more of an album, kind of like a movie. You're like, oh, I like that one scene. I'm like, well, I've seen the whole movie, so. I see it in order. Um, rarely do I play just one of the songs, you know, unless I'm making a mixtape and I'm like, Hey, you got to hear this band. Um, I'll put a song on there, but yeah. Well, I kind of feel like it does kind of sit as a whole because you've got kind of two types of songs. If I'm reading it correctly, you've okay. got the rockers and then you kind of got the, the country influence kind of slower jams and like, right. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Not that all the songs are the same, but if you like one of them, you're going to like all of them because they're all variations and they're all kind of similar vibe and similar. Right. Like, like you wrote down uh, their themes and this kind of cracked me up. <laughs> Betrayal, boredom, uh, selfish, drunken asshole, drunken asshole, betrayal, drunken asshole, depression, drunken asshole, stalker. Small town frustration and lust. <laughs> Was I wrong? You're I not think, wrong, man. I think that's what these these songs <laughs> hit on, though. Um, you know, if we look at the first song, "Stupid Boy," which I think somebody in Nashville should cover, but apparently Marty doesn't want to give away the songs or something like that. It's yeah. sung through a woman's point of view, talking about you know this guy that wow, I thought I knew you, but I really don't, and you're selfish, and I've given everything to you, you've given nothing to me. And um, time heals, I think, is kind of in that same vein, yeah. where it's like hey, you took it all and threw it away, and and yeah, I guess I'll still be your friend and I'll still be on your hook and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of songs on there about waking up and not knowing where you are or not knowing who you're with, <laughs> <laughs> forgetting what you did, or wake up with. Cuts on yeah. your hand. I know it's from a different record, but <laughs> there's there's a lot of them. You're some of this drunken a hole. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of a change as a theme. Like, uh, I wish yeah. I could change for you. Right. Uh, not today. Or <laughs> today's not a good day for that. Yeah. That sort of I, I promise I'll, I'll stop. I won't forget to call, and I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes, and I'm going to change. Just just not today. 
It sounds like a guy who's calling his girlfriend from the bar. <laughs> you know, hey, baby, don't leave me yet. Uh, I'll I'll get this together. But uh, I'm watching the game with the boys, and yeah, you know, it's my turn to buy the next round or whatever. <laughs> yeah, my only kind of small qualm with the album is some of the tracks feel out of place to me. This wasn't a thing that I've known for years and years, and you know, okay, you, near, near you, my heart. you make your little point, and then I'll I'll tell you why you're wrong. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> number two your sonic boom it just takes me out of it every time like, i get excited like i'm gonna put on that record and stupid boy's great and then sonic boom comes on it's not that it's a bad song love it but it just just the 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 shift in gears just throws me every time i feel like if they bump that down to maybe four and bump the other uh couple up I think that's a much stronger record. Well, maybe they should have had you producing their record. I think more bands should have me producing their records. <laughs> okay. Most of the times I would agree with that, but no, not on this one. I, I don't know. I've just always have heard it this way, but um, I just love the song so much. Yeah. Just about, uh, you know, being home. It reminds me of you're like 13, 14. You're not old enough to go get a job. You know, you have no money. You're sitting at home summer vacation nothing on tv because this was back in the day when there was nothing on tv there was three channels there was no video games you know if you're if you're broke you got nothing to do just a great great song it is pretty just pretty much actually i think it's exactly just martin zeller though i think he plays everything on it it's just uh acoustic guitar harmonica and yeah he, he wrote it the other guys could take a break i guess and the next two songs wear your crown and don't look at me are Kind of uh, variations on the same theme. Yeah. Just um, open your eyes and look around <laughs> and slowly get up off the ground, <laughs> try to find the yeah. keys to your car. It's great. I, th- I think where your crown is more ang- not angry. It's it's a little more. It's not my problem, but don't look at me. Feels like it's a it's a self hating song. Like it's a oh, I'm such a jerk. Don't but look at me is, yeah, you know you're an F up, and you're probably going to do it again, but just, uh, I, I'm getting it together. This is not, it's not as bad as it looks. Yeah, just just but don't look over here. <laughs> inside, <laughs> you know it is. Time Heals, though, um, that's written by their drummer, Billy Van Kirk. It's, it's probably his best song he's ever written. They played in concert a lot. And um, he actually sounds pretty good on it. He's not the best singer in the world. But in the context of this, this is one of the things I like about this band is they have a second singer. It just adds a new flavor to it, but still being the same type of music. Same with the Hang Dogs yeah. or, you know, I grew up a Kiss fan and you're a big uh, Bare Naked Ladies fan. Right. You don't know who's singing the next song is really kind of cool. And so yeah. Billy's songs... And it's kind of like with Who's Who, whoever sang them, wrote them. So it's not a big mystery there. But um, his songs definitely aren't uh, terrible. Because usually when the drummer writes something, you know, this kind of thing. But this one is, is one of the highlights, I think. A different songwriter, a different singer, and yet the same musicians playing that. It gives it a cohesion and yet has a, a different take on it. It adds depth to the record, I think which they did on their first record too, but um, 
it also i think it gets confusing when they yeah. try to market this like is it country is it rock is it it's like, it, why it is definitely like that has that kind of um hard to place-ness to it yeah and then i'm um, gonna change we kind of talked about that already here but no one's home is definitely a country song yeah. straight up country song about depression if you listen to martin zeller's solo catalog he does have some songs that make you realize this is probably something that's real mm-hmm. yeah, i don't think he's just i don't think it's just making this up or um writing about something like right. spring spring scene just wrote stories you know they weren't he just made them up but with marty he's, he's written too many songs about depression that i feel i think this is um something he's got first-hand experience with yeah something it connects with right which i think probably had to something to do with the brand breaking up but color of her eyes uh the first single actually the only single that was released it was probably a record company decision because i would have gone with stupid boy but um this but it's is a great song of, it's a rocker yeah no which it's, means it, probably it liked might it. be one of my favorite oh yeah it might be one of my favorite. I think that one and Where Your Crown are probably my two favorites. Oh, they're all good, so sure. I yeah. have no problem with that. But, uh, yeah, th- I don't know. Some Just something about it. I think maybe that's what the, the record guy heard. Was, uh, I don't know. Well, it's, a, it's an up-tempo one, and it is more of a rocker. The lyrics are hilarious. <laughs> it's just a, he wakes up and, I, oh, my God, I hope I didn't do this again. It's just really funny. I don't want to ruin it, but um, that's part of the charm about people who like the Gear Daddies and go to see them is you like that they don't take it too seriously, but I think that's part of the reason why they didn't succeed is because they thought, well, you know, we're just these guys from Austin, Minnesota. These guys don't get played on the radio. They don't get on TV. They don't get major record deals. They don't get signed to big tours and, you know, we should really stay in our lane. Uh, that's kind of endearing to the people that go see them because they are just yeah. regular folks. They don't dress up. Um, they're just jeans and T-shirt guys, and that's what you see is what you get. But yeah. I think that can be detrimental to a career. Um, this next kind of remind me a lot of – Go ahead. Uh, sorry, uh, back up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Kind of remind me a lot of Bernicke Ladies' early stuff too, to, to compare them. but Sure. You know, you look at some of the old Bernadette Lady music videos, like they didn't have stylists. They didn't have these like no, huge they're wearing budgets. shorts and tennis shoes and goofy glasses. You know, yeah. And, yeah. Don't necessarily look like a band. It's just kind of a bunch of, you know, dorks hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Nerds. But you could definitely tell once they got a stylist and they got some money and they got, you know, some direction in terms of their style and their marketing. Cause I feel like uh, if you have a decent record exec, who's looking at the gear daddies at the time and you're like, okay, we got to change the name of this record. I know you think it's hysterical, but your potential audience isn't going to care. And it's just going to turn them off at the moment that you want them to be interested. Right. You know, there's so many other little, little things that are the difference between a huge record and a disappointing performance. Just the look of the band. I mean, their lead guitarist is 
their former substitute teacher. He's going bald, but he, he grows his hair long wherever it will grow. He's got this really <laughs> weird high-pitched voice. Great guitarist, great pedal steel player, and their drummer. Uh, he's not my favorite drummer in the world. He's a little, I, I just don't think he's, he's very good when it comes to that. You yeah. know, he's got these goofy glasses, and um, they're always falling off when he's trying to play. And... Um, I don't know. Marty's got a weird growl to his voice that he kind of, uh, kind of tried to shake off. I think later on in his solo career, and Nick I think is solid, looks yeah. good, and stays in his lane and uh, just plays bass. I don't even think he sings backup. You know, I think he just does that. But it's a weird combination of guys to see yeah. on stage. Yeah, stylist or somebody would have to do something with them to kind of put them over the top. And, you know, that's definitely not the only reason they didn't last, but, uh, no, you know, maybe the cynic in me is <laughs> pointing to another issue that's going on there. Hey, well, what'd you think of the stalker song? Goodbye, Marie. Cause nobody loves a stalker song like you. I do love a good stalker song. It, be- yeah. it belongs on the list. I think it does. Right. It's got, <laughs> I'm not sure everything it was who he is, but <laughs> the taking a walk at 3 a.m. and happens to be outside her house. I'm like, oh, okay, come on, man. What do you, what do you do? Uh, if not explicitly, it definitely has the, the whiff of a stalker song. He calls and I'm not sure why I called and I'm not sure he actually says anything when he talks to her. And then, you know, I hope you could th- think good things if you think of me at all. And, yeah, yeah. I heard a rumor you were leaving town. I tried to call you up. You weren't around. So I went walking around 3 a.m. I stood outside your house. So this is it. <laughs> Goodbye, Marie. <laughs> is he killing her? I heard a rumor you're leaving town. Now that you called and said you're leaving town because she doesn't know who he is. That's that's the vibe I'm getting on that one. Um, You'll never know what you mean to me. Of course she every, doesn't, because she doesn't know who he is. Every night I'll cry, so soft and sad. <laughs> that's why That's why I buried you in the backyard. But, As we've talked about, there's a fine line between unrequited love and just flat-out stalking. Yeah, it, it's razor thin on this one, <laughs> but that one, just, you know, stay away from Marie, okay? She's a nice girl. Leave her she alone. Doesn't know, she doesn't know who you are. Just leave her alone. The last song, One Voice, this is another uh, Billy Van Kirk song. Um, I don't like it. I uh, never really liked it. Yeah. Uh, lyrically, it's probably one of his more poetic songs, small town frustrations. And it's a lot of the way that they talk in this song. They're like, I wouldn't want to be around these people. Right. Or the situation. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite either, but it's fine. Uh, So are you not including the bonus slash hidden track? No, I'm including that. Um, It's a separate track on Spotify. The song, I don't really know what it's called. It's either called Zamboni or I Want to Drive the Zamboni. Because it's never officially listed. Well, no. I think it was put out as a single on iTunes at one time. I Want to Drive the Zamboni. But I think it was a redone by Martin Zeller. But yeah. this song is played at any 
division hockey game you can think of, NHL, college, <laughs> peewees, mites, bantams, whatever, all over. It was in two hockey movies. It was in um, Mystery Alaska, and it was in um, uh, Mighty Ducks 2. So, and so I, not good enough for Mighty Ducks 1. Is that what you're no. saying? Well, but they probably hadn't heard of it. And then somebody's like, hey, did you hear that Zamboni song? Great. We'll put it on there. Now, if I had made Mighty Ducks one, heck, did they do Mighty Ducks? Did they film some of that in Minnesota? I have no idea. Come on. <laughs> uh, my extensive hockey knowledge. No, but you uh, love Emilio Estevez. He's your favorite actor. No, he's not. Whatever. Of all the Estevezes. I think Charlie was my favorite. <laughs> of all the Estevezes, he's in my top five. But, <laughs> you know, it's Charlie. Carlos, if you're going Carlos. with Estevez. I'm sorry. I should have known. But, yeah, it is in that movie as well. I think Marty makes a lot of money off that, honestly. Well, I sure. think he, like, kind of a good amount. I could be just talking out my arse, but... The weird thing is with this record, as much as I loved it and the people that went to see them loved it, and again, they did have a, a big enough local following and regional following, they could have still played and I think made a living and maybe grew like into the 90s as the alt-country scene started getting bigger. I mean, the Jayhawks were, were starting to get pretty big at this point, at least yeah. doing some national tours. They weren't headlining arenas but um i think they would have stuck around i think marty broke up the band though wouldn't surprise they said, well we, we we broke up amicably i'm like it doesn't seem that way from <laughs> where i'm sitting because they definitely had songs there's enough um demos and uh outtakes that run different records and things that came out later where they would have easily an album's worth of songs. So there was a TV special though, where these guys were talking about, Oh, we'd love to do this for years. And, you know, I'd like to keep making a living at that. And then they talked to Martin Zellery and he says, well, it's a lot of fun now, but I can still see it growing old really fast. Yeah. Well, five months later, the band breaks up <laughs> after that. Hey, hey, Bill. Yeah. I heard she dumped you. No, it was what? mutual. <laughs> you shut exactly. up. Exactly. It it was something along those lines, because it it wasn't that they didn't have music to play. I mean, Billy put out his solo album in '93, the year after the breakup. Marty puts out his record after that. Yeah. And I think he was trying to do more serious stuff. I don't know. But Nick was still in his band. But, of course, he was going by Dominic Ciola at this point. Rather, than, I don't know, he's trying to be more serious. I'm not sure. Or yeah. More Italian. But I think, in general, um, this album is uh, kind of the template for a lot of what we do with these records. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, nobody heard it. In this case, probably regional thing. Probably, you know, not a lot of, you know juice going into the rest of the country no but but a really solid record a really listenable record a really entertaining and enjoyable record and one i think more people need to hear and more people should pay attention to so here here we are putting out the call 
No, it's one of my top five albums of anything I've ever heard in my life. One of my Desert Island records, for sure. Uh, part of it is it does have a certain tug for me being from Minnesota. But um, I can put this on and just effortlessly glide all the way through it. You know, yeah. It's like Back to the Future. No, if there's nothing else on I can always watch that. And it's no problem yeah. seeing it for the hundredth time. This one, too, I can put this on and, I mean, same with their first record. But this one in particular, I think, was better. Um, if you're, I th and again, if I think if they would have stuck around a little longer, if they would have made a few more records, I think they would have started to get a toehold in that um, kind of Uncle Tupelo, Jayhawks kind of vibe. And if they would have stuck around this long, I think they could have been, sort of godfather legends in that they were one of the people that were making music that nobody else was really doing i mean yeah. in minneapolis at the time they had the replacements in husker do and soul asylum they weren't doing this kind of music like no. what's that pedal steel doing there they didn't care this this is what we do yeah. they weren't doing what was even around them at the time so but if you do like all country um or country rock or whatever you call this uh go buy this yep. it's it's a it's a great record totally worth a listen it's all rock and roll to me buddy there you go whatever genre you want to put on it i don't know i think we yeah. beat that to death nate you got anything else yep. to say yeah it's not one of them zombie horses so i think we can stop so you got any um snide remarks or any uh spam jokes <laughs> uh the whole time uh <laughs> I was thinking about Drop Dead Gorgeous, which uh, yes. lampoons the Minnesotans. Yeah. Uh, there's a character, a former pageant queen who works at St. Paul Pork Products. <laughs> and yeah, just maybe chuckle. So. You made me have Diet Pep Diet Dr. Pepper come out my nose, jerk. <laughs> Um, nice. If you listen to any of, the, any of the interviews with Martin Zeller, he has that exact accent still, even though I think he's living in Mexico now. But he's nice. the most Minnesotan of them all. <laughs> so if you want to chuckle, the real Minnesota accent, he's got it in spades. Sweet. Okay. We'll see you. See you. Bye. Bye.